before we get started, I just want to apologize for a little bit of some sound interference. We had the damn landscapers out there making too damn much noise. That's okay. These things happen. It's mostly edited out. I also want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by External Hard Drives. Get yourself an external hard drive, because if you don't, then you'll find yourself with your wonderful computer down from a whole terabyte to about five gigs, and it'll be running slow, and it'll be crappy, and then you'll remember, oh, that's right, I should have bought an external hard drive, and Rudy reminded me right before that week's episode of the Gold Cast. Make sure you do that. Also, remember to visit us on facebook.com slash thegoldcast, Twitter at the goldcast underscore we still need to get that also from that other twitter guy if he has no followers he's never posted so if you see him tell him to give us at the goldcast uh don't forget to share like and subscribe we're on itunes youtube and stitcher share like subscribe tell a friend that's that's uh that's your new year's resolution pass on the goldcast san francisco are you ready this is the Gold Cast. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. I am back finally. Dan the man, we have him in the building. He's here. It's real. It's live. Dan the man, welcome back to the Gold Cast. Thanks, buddy. Is this MMA Tuesday on Wednesday? This is MMA Tuesday on Wednesday, no doubt, no doubt. All right. Yeah, so I keep I keep forgetting what day of the week it is. Yeah, you know that's kind of that's kind of the life we're living right now. That's where we're at right Maybe. now. That might be why we never get this straight as far as when we put the podcast up. <laughs> I I do like that MMA Tuesday. I think has yet to be released on an actual Tuesday since last year. You could do an MMA Tuesday on any day of the week. Well, that's the flexibility that we've given ourselves. Right, that's what we need to have. That's what we need to have. Like we used to years ago when we threw those bar parties, there was there was Rudy Tuesdays on a Wednesday. Yeah, we would do a Rudy Tuesday any day of the week. Yeah, it didn't matter what day it was. We could, we could have done Does, it on a Sunday. Doesn't matter. No. So all right, let's get into it, man. Penn versus Rodriguez. This fight pretty much went, I think, the way you and I thought it was going to go. Is that we fair? We thought to it was going to go this way. We hoped it was not going to go this way. But it certainly went this way. Yeah, so break it down because I mean it was, guy. I mean it was a royal ass whooping. Uh, you know, Penn looked overwhelmed. That uh, you know, I, this is the thing I've been dying to talk about on air was just that insane tornado kick. That thing was insane. Yeah, well, I mean, he hit him with a lot of different kicks, but that tornado, that's that, when you get hit with a tornado kick, that's when a dude knows he's got you, right? Like, he's, uh, I mean, a tornado kick is like, essentially, it's a jump spinning roundhouse kick, um, to the face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna break down what that kick looks like to the average. UFC fan. This is like the untrained eye. This is what this is what that tornado kick looks like. It looks like a fucking supercharged matrix kick to the face, but is really hitting you in the emotional balls. That, that's that's what, exactly what it feels like when you get hit with one of those. Yeah, yeah, you're a badass kicker. We knew that he hit. He pretty much pulled out the kitchen sink on Penn. Um, and there's a reason why he was able to do that. And the reason is not because Penn is old. Um, 
Penn being old doesn't help. It's definitely, I think, the amount of damage that Penn has taken in his career led up to the fact that Yair put him on his butt and then finished him in the second round. Um, but I think the reason why, if we're going to do a really accurate um, analysis of that fight, the reason, the basic reason why Penn got kicked was because Penn stayed in kicking range. And his kick defense was pretty um, non-existent. Now, generally speaking, when we talk about kicking range, we're talking about body kicks, um, leg kicks, or head kicks in a Muay Thai style. So it's a roundhouse kick. It's coming from the outside to the inside, kind of swinging um, at a 45-degree angle into any of those targets I just named. Um, and that's not Yair at all. Yair is a Taekwondo guy who can kick like a Muay Thai guy, but he kicks from all angles, throws spinning kicks, he throws jumping front kicks, um, you know, flying knees, um, weird uh, question mark kicks, all types of fancy stuff. He can, he's very dexterous with his feet. But the defense for kicking is the same regardless of whatever uh, kicks you're going to throw. Generally speaking, if you're fighting a guy who's a really good kicker, the idea is you want to jam them up. So you want to close distance and not allow those kicks to fully express themselves. Kind of like we talked about with Rousey Nunez, how it was imperative for Rousey to close distance quick and not stay on the outside um, because Nunez is long and she has real dangerous punching power. She wanted to get to the clinch and beat her in the clinch. And that was the only way we could really see her coming out with a W. Same thing with Penn in this case, um, and same and, and same outcome, right? Like Penn kind of either refused to close the distance, couldn't figure out how to close the distance, didn't know he was supposed to close the distance, whatever it was, he didn't close the distance, and he got picked apart. Yeah, badly. Now, here's the question. You know, I remember about probably about six or seven years ago, around 2009, 2010, people were talking about kicks and how kicks left you very vulnerable to uh, open to attacks and while they were very dangerous when effective they were also very dangerous to employ now as the ufc has evolved and grown over the years especially in this decade you've seen more and more kicks like that being used kicks more advanced kicks more styles of like those kinds of kicks being employed now the question is was rodriguez able to use those kicks against BJ Penn to such effectiveness because of Penn's inability and inexperience or is this something that he could do against a younger more veteran fighter all of Rodriguez's uh, finishes I think he might have one submission victory but I think all of his finishes come by way of some kind of leg technique flying knee jumping kick spinning kick whatever um, and I think while the victory over Penn technically came by way of punches, like he finished him with punches, he set it up with a, a switch. It was like a, a switch front snap kick that he followed with a, a lead right hand and put Penn on his butt and then finished him with punches. Yeah, so, and that kick was right to the jaw, if it's the one Right to the jaw. Yeah, right that was nasty. Um, so yeah, does he pull it off? Yeah, of course he does. The thing about kicking, the really interesting thing about kicking as a, as a striking style um, and especially that kicking style that uh, Rodriguez employs, that kind of flashier, um, odd angle striking uh, with the legs, forever it was deemed as ineffective because it comes from more traditional styles of martial arts, karate, kung fu, taekwondo. And those styles were considered ineffective really early on in um, mixed martial arts competition because those guys that practiced those styles didn't have any ground game, couldn't wrestle, had no submission skills, 
no ground defense as well, so it got taken out of fights really quickly. But it didn't, where the shortcoming was, was that it didn't make kicking irrelevant, it just made guys who didn't have a well-rounded game irrelevant if they were kicking specialists. And so now what we see is guys like Yair Rodriguez, Conor McGregor, Anthony Pettis, guys with these more traditional martial arts backgrounds, Taekwondo, Karate, Kung Fu, Capoeira, whatever, um, who have these uh, interesting striking skill sets, more advanced striking skill sets that also have a sufficient ground game. So now they have the confidence to throw these techniques and land these techniques. And if they get taken down, whatever, you know, they'll deal with it as it comes. But um, yeah, these, these techniques are... It's funny because they act like this is something new. It's new to MMA, but it's not new to martial arts. These kicks are old, older than mixed martial arts by, you know, really by hundreds of years. I mean, this stuff is not new at all. Spinning kicks, jumping kicks, this has been traditional martial arts forever. Yeah, that's true. That's 100% true. It's, it is nice to see them now employing them, uh, employing these voodoo matrix ass-kicking jaw kick flip tricks. I know you love it. I love this shit. It's great. It's like it is. It's like it was like watching the Matrix in real. When he did that tornado kick, my, I I I felt it. Spit came out of my mouth, and I and I fell to the ground, and I was out for now, like ten what, seconds. What what something I think is really interesting about that fight that nobody's talking about, and you know I love to talk about what nobody's talking about. This is why you're here. This is why I'm here. If you watch the very opening part of that fight, yeah, you're tries to do some kind of spin kick. BJ catches the kick because he jams it, which is exactly what he was supposed to do, and takes him into the cage, and they go into a clinch. BJ loses the clinch, and then they go, they reset back into striking range, and from that point, Jair picks him apart. But this is the blueprint to beat a guy like Jair or any of these guys that like to throw kicks. You have to be able to catch kicks. Now, catching kicks is another standard practice in traditional martial arts. Um... You have to learn how to catch kicks. You catch kicks, you throw, you control from the throw, and then you work a submission. Mm. Um, for whatever reason, mixed martial arts has not caught up in this in this department. You very, very rarely see a guy catch a kick, control from that catch, and work it into a submission or a dominant position on the ground or even standing. It's a very bizarre thing. It's a bizarre thing, especially when you think about the Penn fight, because he was working with these top-notch coaches. He was at Jackson Wink. Um, he was working with um, Jason Perillo, who's Michael Bisping's coach. Uh, Michael Bisping being the uh, middleweight champ right now, reigning middleweight champ. Uh, it's it's a hole in the coaching game as well a hole in the fighters game. So it's like it's almost like people have a blind spot here. So going forward, I think what we will see um, from camps that are maybe are a little bit more progressive, or even these camps I just mentioned, maybe they'll notice these things now going forward that they have to start defending against these kicks in a little bit more conventional means. If somebody throws a big body kick or a head kick, they're very susceptible to getting that kick caught and being turned over and getting those positions switched on them. So in the future, I think we're going to see that a lot more. It's not, again, it's not a new thing to martial arts. It's a very old, old style of de defending and a traditional style of defending against the kick. And I think we'll start seeing it more um, as these young fighters come up with these advanced kicking skill sets. 
I love it, and I love it. I, I you know, I guess if you're if you're the head coach of the next guy who's going to fight uh, Yair Rodriguez, the first thing you do is look at that first clip, and then you tell your fighter you need to do that every single time. Yeah, we're going to start catching kicks, man. That's what we're going to do. It's like you know, if you if you know someone's going to throw a football at you, you're not going to not try and catch it, right? Yep. You're not going to let it hit you in the face. You're certainly not going to let it hit you in the face. No, that's not a good idea, especially if that football is a big leg. <laughs> <laughs> With a big heel and a, and a belt yeah. a belt defending it. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. We've got the prize fighter himself, Mr. Conor McGregor, is holding on January 28th a press conference in Manchester, England. It's going to be available on... Uh, on pay-per-view available on pay-per-view for like five bucks he has sold five thousand tickets to this thing and basically he is going to be talking about uh well everyone thinks he's gonna be talking about mayweather for sure i think that's what most people are tuning in because they want to hear something about mayweather this thing has gotten pretty heated in the new year mayweather has talked about dana white and how he remembers dana white when he had just his little uh, his little clothing uh, company, and he used to carry Mayweather's bags, and he took good care of him. And he, Mayweather offered him twenty-five million, and he said that was an insult. He goes, "The minimum he take is thirty-five million." And then Mayweather turned around and, and had offered Connor fifteen million, but then Connor was insulted and said he would wouldn't do the fight for anything less than a hundred million. And it's just, <laughs> it's just been, it's just been ridiculous. I think in the end, I think the the best. Here's my best bet: is that Mayweather comes in at fifty. Connor comes in at 35 and everybody's happy. You know, or Mayweather comes in at 35, Connor comes in at 25 and everybody's happy. Yeah, I just, um, you know, I'm generally not a numbers guy, but I did look up a recent um, Mayweather's like last few fights. I think his, his retirement fight against Andre Berto, he, I mean, he made a lot in pay per view points and stuff like that, pay per view buys, because that's where everybody makes these their money back. Um, after the initial contract, but I think he only fought for 32 mil. And so this whole like, oh, I only fight, you know, I don't fight for anything less than 100 million. It's like, well, you, but you do, and you've done it over and over again. And now, granted, he has fought for, you know, exorbitant amounts of money, much higher than 32 million. But his last fight was 32 million. So it's like, I, I don't know. The the whole argument, obviously, it's a hype machine, and so it, it's hard to like put any any. Um, stock in any of this but if you fact check um you start to see kind of the framework of this whole thing that this is just like this is all being puffed up um building towards both of these guys making a lot of money i think the well we were i was talking about that with a couple of friends too that we were saying you know what i i bet you they've already even agreed on a number and they're just going to do this for at least three or four more months until he's done with his you know imposed uh break connor is Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And so um, something that I think is interesting that just came up, I think, in the last 24 hours, 48, is that Nate Diaz is applying to get a Nevada State um, boxing license. I saw that, too. <laughs> and apparently he already has one in California. Now, interesting, I think, because... Um, McGregor has already applied for a California state boxing license, um, but has refused to fight in Nevada anymore. So that's interesting. If they do, if they did do the Mayweather fight, where they would fight might be interesting. They probably do New York, 
uh, even though they wouldn't make as much money as if they fought in Vegas. But McGregor has this thing against Vegas because they find him for that press conference thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but the idea that Nate Diaz is getting a boxing license now, now you kind of start to think, oh man, well, what if like, what if McGregor and Diaz just had a boxing match? You know, like, let's say they don't make the Mayweather fight and they just do McGregor Diaz again as a boxing match. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh man, then could you imagine like a Diaz Mayweather fight? I mean, I know that that probably never happened because the size difference is, is but, pretty significant, but, uh, but didn't, was it, was it Nate or Nick that, that also tried to box several years back. Was that Nate or Nick? Well, I, I thought one of them tried to box before or even did. I think they both have amateur careers. Um, and they might, I think Nick might have some pro fights. I mean, their head trainer, not their jiu-jitsu coach, because they're under Carlos Gracie. They're Carlos Gracie black belts, I believe. But their head coach is a boxing coach out of Stockton. And Nick, uh, Nate and Nick both are sparring partners for Andre Ward. And Andre Ward, of course, um, is one of the pound-for-pound boxing greats right now. Um, just had a... Who did, he, who did he fight recently? Some Russian dude, very famous Russian boxer. Um, and it was a controversial win for him. But regardless, um, they have a pretty like legitimate po- boxing pedigree. So that's not... That is not too surprising. It's just, what do they do with these licenses? Like, what, what's the motivation here? Is the motivation to, because they are now kind of superstars in their own right, to go outside of the UFC and just start making money fights for themselves? I think that might be the idea. That's the long con, or the long con is also to just scare UFC into giving them more money for the fights when they do fight there because they're willing to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe it's both. I I think it's so strange. We just don't know anything about UFC contracts. Like, they seem to be very, like, stiff and, like, oh, very binding. But then, you know, when they want to, they can melt them away real fast to make new ones. You know what I mean? So, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to know what what the idea is. I think at the end of the game, or the end of the day... We just got to remember that the game is money and everybody's trying to make it as much for themselves as possible. And, uh, and so all of these, like all of these things that we see, we kind of get like, just, we're just getting glimpses at like the, 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 uh, like the behind the scenes. Like we don't really know. No, the minutia is very small. And that's, and see, that's the problem too with the UFC and boxing in general is that there's, there's no union, there's no, you know, there's no type of governing body that is in support of the fighters. And so it's kind of like the Wild West. And this is really this is really what I think has taken down boxing so heavily. And UFC isn't impervious to that problem at some point either. There's definitely, you know, they, they know that they have like three different unions that have approached the UFC and have attempted to uh, have attempted to to bring those fighters into their stables and there's been a lot of debate amongst the UFC fighters themselves as to which stable if any they should even join so it's just kind of a it's a little bit of a mess on that behind the scenes part and yeah like you said there's there's contracts and Dana White's like well you've got this contract and you don't think you're gonna break it and then there's like a convert then there's this big publicized bleacher report about how Dana White and that fighter have a meeting and all of a sudden there's a brand new contract and everything that was stated before doesn't exist anymore 
Yeah, it's total. It's just jockeying for position, right? Yeah, it's basically all that they're doing ever. But think about this, though. This and this is just point off your point, which I think is interesting to consider. Is what if these MMA stars become boxing stars, and then you have this weird like retro. Uh, like reverse engineering of boxing fame again or boxing popularity again because these MMA stars who are now more popular than boxing stars, um, arguably, but I think that's a pretty easy argument to make, that they now make boxing relevant again. I was thinking that same thing. Well, I was thinking when you were saying Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, I thought, wow, that would probably be the best thing to happen to boxing if they if they took that fight in a boxing ring that would be the best thing for boxing since mayweather pacquiao which ended up not being good for boxing but the pre-hype right. was but that would be the best thing to happen to boxing in easily a decade is right, two ufc exactly. fighters fighting in in the ring yeah and i think i think that's a fascinating thing to consider that we might this this kind of this kind of crossover has like pretty serious implications. Like the idea that they're even filing for these li- these licensing, this licensing is really interesting. And I think that what we're getting to with combat sports in general is combat entertainment. Whereas like in the beginning, I feel like the thing that made, that one of the things that put MMA on the map for most people, just kind of lay people, lay fans, was crossovers like Brock Lesnar coming from WWE and fighting in um, you know UFC and becoming UFC champion? Like there's a that's that was a serious thing. Like you take these combat sports and then they really kind of start to become less a sport, more of a spectacle, and you have this like sports entertainment thing. But now we're getting this combat sports entertainment thing because does anyone really take Mayweather McGregor seriously like as a boxing match? No, I mean, McGregor's boxing pedigree is, it's not terrible, he's an amateur boxing champion, but, like, he's not a, he's not a Mayweather, he's not a, you know, X amount of time world champion, undefeated for his entire career, like, comes from a a legendary boxing family, so, like, it, it's this, it's this interesting, I don't know, we're walking this interesting line where all of these things are starting to come together, even, like, with pro wrestling, Ronda Rousey, Showing up at WrestleMania and, uh, mm-hmm. and possi- know, possibly trying to possibly there, you know, I know WWE is actively trying to pursue her to do spend some time in the in the ring over there. Right, right, right. It is interesting. It, it the the idea that that this uh, I mean it really almost is it is becoming like WWE where it's like these fighters will fight in a boxing ring. They'll fight in a cage. They'll fight in the street. They'll do a fake fight. You know, like there's just so many different kinds of versions of fights these guys could, could be having here. But uh, I I think that's fascinating. And I think no matter what, as it I, I think it's safe to say May, Mayweather versus Conor McGregor is going to happen. I think it's going to happen, and I think, um, I don't know if it's going to happen in a timely manner, um, in the way that it might fall closer to, like, a Pacquiao, um, Mayweather, where it's just a lackluster thing due to too much time passing, um, but, uh, yeah, I think it'll happen. 
I think it, I think we're I think we're getting a lot closer to it being real. I I I my my suspicion right now I'm gonna say off the top of my head I I I think it happens by the end of this year. Really? Yeah, you don't you don't think it happens in 2017, huh? Um, I mean to be honest, man, when we're talking about Conor McGregor, the last thing we ever want to say as analysts and fans of the sport is that that's not possible. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I think it's it's a possibility. I mean, this li- this literally started as like a call out on Twitter, you know, and now right. look how close we are. I mean, now you've got McGregor sending tons of shit talking YouTube. Have you seen? There's YouTube videos that have collected all of him like shit talking and saying Conor McGregor's a little bitch and Conor McGregor taps out and he's never tapped out and and it. I mean, the fact that you've got mayweather at that level once mayweather literally is is calling you out back i feel like okay this is a done deal i mean he can't walk away from the money and for mayweather it's all about the money and he's a prize fighter to the nth degree and i think the the idea of this big ufc draw and having an opportunity to embarrass him at you know 35 million dollars i think it's just a little too much for him to to say no to i think for him it's too easy of a fight to because he can make so much money based on the interest and the draw and the cross-pollination of those two sports. And then at the same time, his ego gets the opportunity to, uh, you know, fuck around with this guy that he thinks he, he, he sure believes has no business being in the ring with him. Right. And I, and I think I think from a strategic point of view, like from a fight analysis point of view, it's a smart – it's a great matchup for um, – a guy like Mayweather, it's not a great matchup for a guy like McGregor. Um, I mean, Mayweather is the most unhit man in combat sports history. And uh, not that McGregor could not put hands on him and possibly, you know, put that left hand on him, but McGregor makes a, has made a career so far out of fighting guys who come forward, who are very aggressive, who stand very square. Um, and knocking them out, and Mayweather is not that guy. Not at all. He's the antithesis of that guy. Conor McGregor isn't going to throw a punch he's never seen before. Right, exactly, and he's certainly not going to be able to push him up against a cage, hit him with an elbow or a knee, throw a spinning uh, heel kick at him. Um, none of that applies. And I can tell you, as somebody who trains across discipline. Um, it's frustrating when you train kickboxing um, all the time and then you go to a boxing gym and you spar with boxers and you spar boxing rules and you get pieced up because you are out of, you're fighting out of a different frame, a different mindset, your angles are different, timing's different, you can't kick people, <laughs> you can't knee people, you can't grab them in a clinch and move them around. It's a very different game, man. It's a very different game. It's kind of like... Uh, I don't know, man, going from, it's almost like two different sports. Well, it really is two different sports. And I think what, I think a a possible analogy you might be looking for, it's like, it's like you're now, like you're now fighting inside of a box. It's like your, it's like your legs are handcuffed together. You know what I mean? It's like everything is, you know, you, you, you go from, from use, being able to use any appendage to attack to now being literally stripped down to just two fists your elbows are gone your knees are gone your feet are gone 
and it, you just you, you know you're fighting in a box it feels like you're you know you're you're, you're fighting is suffocated by the rules of it and I, that's a big adjustment and but knowing mcgregor i i say then if, if this happens then mcgregor spends the next six months straight only boxing and i mean you know mcgregor spends a lot of time boxing anyway he's a, he's got a boxing heavy style even though he's a good kicker um and he's been working a lot on his ground game his style is pretty much based off of his hands um if you ever watch ever watch any of his uh, training footage or his workout fit footage, they do a lot of uh, boxing mid work, and his coaches are, you know, really, essentially, they're boxing coaches yeah. that have a good feel for other striking um, arts and MMA game as a whole. But I don't know, man. It'd be an interesting fight. I mean, I think that's that's the that's the general summation is that we all want to see it. And uh, let's let's go. Let's let's uh, let's do it, man. Let's put it together. Yeah, let's do it. I, my my guess is twenty seventeen for sure. All right, so we got a wrap. That's pretty much it for this week. MMA Tuesday on a Wednesday. This will be coming out pretty soon. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Goldcast. We are on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, Twitter at The Goldcast underscore. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rudy Solis third, Rudy Solis 3RD. You can find Dan the Man exclusively right here on MMA Tuesdays. That's right. So that's the only place I'm at. That's the only place he's at. That's the only place. That and like one picture of him like in a gi. Yeah, good good luck trying to find me on the internet. It doesn't work. Doesn't work. I love it. It's really difficult. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Bay Area Fan Perspective. I'm your host, Rudy Suisa Third, and with me is my co-host, host, Dan the Man. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time, same Gold Cast channel. This is, this is the Gold Cast.